You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young. We are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan. And we are here with Dr. Elizabeth Teagarden, uh, who is with CTK at Work, which is a division of Conroy, Trosh, and Kimmy. And we're going to learn a little bit about this right now. Whether you've read it or not, uh, you probably know the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Uh, Steve uh, Covey, I believe, authored that with loads of other bestsellers about people, work, productivity. Now, these books are, are quotable as, as the movie Caddyshack, right? Packed with, you know, full of bottom line insights like this quote. So often the problem is the system, not the people. If you put good people in bad systems, you get bad results. Now, CTK at Work is a solution uh, really from a local law firm, uh, Conroy, Trosh, and Kimmy, which we mentioned, that for, it's really for businesses to keep, to get the best talent to help them work at their very, very best. And that is where Dr. Elizabeth comes into play. She is our guest on this episode of the award-winning Brand Builders podcast to tell us more about CTK at work, how that process works, and we're ready to dive into it. So thank you so much, Elizabeth, for joining us on this episode of the podcast. Thank you. And it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you, Elizabeth. You guys have to absolutely just be booming right now. <laughs> we are. I mean, finding and retaining <laughs> top talent is absolutely tougher than ever, um, right? I mean, it, what what are you hearing on the streets? Well, what are we not hearing on the streets could be the better question right now. Let's rock uh, it. You know, COVID changed everything. COVID changed everything. It changed everything about how we relate to work, how we relate to employment, what we expect of our employers, what we expect of the um, of the employment relationship, benefits, uh, the nature of performance and work product going out the door and how much of that gets delivered and, and whether or not we can achieve work-life balance and all of these things are um, not yet sorted out, I would say. Um, we're in a big sea change for how employers relate to their workforces in general um, on, on uh, everything from regulatory requirements to uh, corporate culture to um, just, you know, compensation, uh, you name it. The uh, pandemic certainly um, upended um, everything we understood about uh, routines at work, um, and we're not yet sorted out from it. Do you see some leveling out or some shift uh, from all this craziness, I'll call it? <laughs> or Well, can you be more specific? It, what topic do we want to dive into? Oh, <laughs> man. Well, you just named a lot of them, right? Um, uh, you know, maybe, hey, let's, let's do this, the work from home topic, right? Like, um, we know that Google, we know that the big tech companies are, are in a process of trying to get their people back in the office. Uh, so let's talk about that. Like, are you starting to see that shift or are we now in a forever hybrid, you know, sort of model work from home, come in the office some days or that type of thing? Um, where do you see that going and what are you hearing? Well, so let's let's uh, this is a great uh, opportunity to actually go ahead and introduce a little bit more about CTK at Work's purpose in the world and what we do and why we do it the way we do it. So we specifically serve lower middle market companies. So I like to meet a company when their workforce is about 30 employees or so. Um, when they're approaching headcount of around 50, everything changes from a regulatory standpoint. All of your federal 
federal regulations have kicked in by that point. Um, you're required to um, provide employees with certain um, um, assurances in terms of uh, FMLA leave and uh, reasonable accommodations for disabilities and um, so many of those things that are worker protections that are provided by us by federal regulations. All of that applies by the time you hit your 51st hire. Um, I like to walk the journey with a company going from 30 to 50 to 100 employees at 100 everything kicks in. Um, but then I would say our sweet spot is between that 30 walking the journey forward up to about 250 or 300 employees. So what goes on at Google and what they have in terms of their corporate solutions to workforce issues is absolutely not the same territory, not the same animal, not the same conversation that we are having with middle market companies. Um, small businesses are in yet a different kind of conversation. I would say that small businesses, you know, you've hired your first employee up to about 25 or 30 employees. That's a different conversation than we're having in middle market. The dynamics of how we relate to each other as human beings um, and the structures that we are able to put in place with a, a tiny workforce versus a medium workforce, which is where we uh, do our work um, versus a large corporate you know, enterprise. Um, the answers and solutions and methods and tools that we use to help people get clear about what they've been hired to do and how to do it and how they're being measured um, and what the employer relationship is, um, is just not the same. So the conversation about remote work um, that we see in the news and the headlines at the major corporations is not exactly the same kind of conversation we're going to have in, say, a second-generation family-run business with 40 employees or a small manufacturing facility with you know 65 employees or a construction company with people out in the field but that's local you know, to the Charlotte area. Um, it's much more personal in middle market. It's much more real. Um, most of our clients are family-owned businesses or privately held companies. The owners care very deeply about their personal relationships with their people, whether it's a family business or not. The owner typically will look at their workforce as family, um, be concerned for the welfare of the employee's children, be concerned for the welfare of the employee's continuing education, um, be concerned for uh, retaining talent. Um, you know, uh, the loss of a single employee out of 20,000 global enterprise, not going to be felt in terms of a huge ripple effect, but in our clients, the loss of a key talent, the loss of a key executive um, can send ripple effects down rivers for, you know, several years into the future. Um, so it's a, it's a much more, um, uh, relationship-based, human-based, uh, kind of conversation that we're having with, uh, with our clients at CTK at work. I love that. Yeah. So I, in my previous world, I was uh, I was a recruiter. I was actually a division director for a, for a recruiting company for over six years. And, and we went from six employees to 63 employees. And I learned a lot about business. I learned a lot about how to grow business. I also learned a lot of things that I would do differently. Um, but I do understand the importance of not only hiring selection retention, but you guys offer way more than just that, right? You are not just a headhunting company. You're not just out there like, hey, let's go find somebody. You guys are doing HR risk mitigation. You're building HR shops, employee engagement, talent leadership development, legal services. I mean, you guys are kind of like the whole pie when it comes to hiring, firing, culture, legal, 
how did you guys approach it this way? And, and how do you kind of compete on that level? Because it seems to me, if I was a business owner, why would I just work with a headhunter or a recruiting organization when I can work with CTK at work, who literally can do a lot more than just find me talent? I'm so glad you asked that question. Yes, we are soup to nuts. All of that organization, workforce design, organization behavior, workforce design, and labor and employment legal um, advising. Not for me, from the lawyers, because I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> but um, but I'm glad you asked that in the way you asked it, because ironically, the one thing we don't provide is sourcing, which is what the recruiters yep. do. Um, that is absolutely not an expertise that we want to take on. It's time consuming and it's worth every penny. Owners that are not willing to spend money on recruiters to find top talent, um, I advise against that. I think that recruiters have a very important place in the conversation. But but no, we are not a recruiting sourcing uh, headhunting company. We are an organizational behavior management consulting um, boutique shop. Um, and the soup to nuts piece is very important to us. What we learned um, over the 10 years of my private practice that led to this partnership between me as an organizational behavior expert and um, comrade Trosh and Kimmy and their legal team, uh, what led to that, um, that uh, partnership that created this venture was a recognition that there's a lot of gray area in labor and employment, and there's a lot of confusion on uh, leadership teams and among owners and presidents of middle market companies about what do I need to access through a lawyer and what do I need to access through something like uh, like Dr. Teagarden, right, which is the management consulting and organization behavior piece. And there's a lot of gray area there. Um, so we don't want our clients going to the Google School of Law to <laughs> To, uh, run their their workforce administration. We don't want them Googling uh, non-compete and getting something off the internet and just plug and play and sending it through. Uh, we want them to work with our legal team at Conrad, Trosh, and Kimmy to um, have a document that will hold up should it ever need to be enforced. Because let's face it, at the end of the day, um, there's a lot of situational judgment and day-to-day um, -day work with our employees and mistakes are expensive. Um, so we want to set up the whole shop, everything from my, my advising side, which is the employee life cycle, walking through hiring, selection, onboarding, developing, reviewing, um, and then parting well or separating well, should that time come um, to employee relations development. And then at the higher level, designing a workforce that uh, where everyone understands their job, understands their performance requirements, and that there is good uh, process documentation around that, and, and they know what to do. Businesses that come to us have grown organically. Um, the leadership team has good people instincts, they understand human nature, and they've grown organically. And usually what we find when we start the journey with our clients is that there may not be any job descriptions. I have walked into companies with 110 employees, not a single person had a job description, wow. not a single person, uh, you know, had a performance review. Um, now, do we want to run those job description performance review processes like we do at Bank of America? No, uh, because it's too small for that. So I've spent the last decade in my practice translating 
those methods and tools that are used by major corporations to be a bespoke suit that is built to fit a medium company. Um, and we begin putting those structures in place and a lot of drama that goes on in the workforce goes away because people get clear. Um, and good process creates clarity and clarity gets rid of the drama and then everyone has a happy job and they can they can do their job and, and get on with it and not be in, in conflict on their teams or in misunderstandings about what they're expected to do on a day-to-day basis. Do you find that most of your clients are in the Charlotte area or do you go beyond that? We go beyond that. Right now we're working in North and South Carolina. We have clients in both states and I have clients around both states. Um, So um, I do hit the road. One of the things that makes us unique is that we have an embedded style of consulting. So as an organizational behavioral expert, uh, behavior is understood through observation. Um, And so while there's actually absolutely powerful and wonderful and valid and reliable um, assessments that can be used to um, get the map of perspective personality and, and behavioral patterns within teams and companies, which we use those tools as well. Um, you can't do a good job for your client if you don't go sit in the village and watch how this particular group of people interacts with each other. Um, so unlike a, a PEO or um, or a um, you know remote software solution um, to handle your HR, um, I'm actually um, the person with the knowledge that goes and sits and watches with a very informed and very practiced eye what's going on in the company. I also forge relationships with key leaders or if the workforce is small enough with every single employee in the in the client. Um, I have some clients that have 30, 40 employees and all those employees are known by name by us. Um, we meet them, we get to know them, we hear their concerns. So we build it from the ground up um, one relationship at a time from within the company in an embedded style of consulting. Um, this really um, fast tracks the accuracy of the um, of the consulting that we can do. Um, and it also saves in an odd way, it saves the owner money because we don't end up chasing, you know, flavor of the day solutions. Everything that we um, re- recommend is custom for what's really going on with their company. And they don't have to try this generic solution that doesn't really work and that generic solution or the advice they got from someone in their CEO peer group, which is great and has its place, but that person isn't sitting in the village knowing, you know, well, your company may be different from my company and that sort of thing. So we can go into it in a very uh, relatable and frankly intimate way um, and give precise advice. And we want to give precise advice because we've got a lot of clients to serve. So we're also not the consultants that want to stay with you necessarily forever because there's a lot of good work for us to do out there in the world. So we'd like to get, we'd like to get the diagnosis correct and uh, get the methods and tools in place and then uh, teach people to fish for themselves and go on and continue on their journey to build great companies. That's amazing. Um, you mentioned, you know, going into the village and I know when Scott had talked about kind of the remote work and we talked about Google and smaller companies and how that's really not, you know, on the same path per se. Um, what I'm, what I'm hearing from this, right. Is, is the village they're there, right. They're in person, right. You can see things. And so how do you do that with a company that has a remote structure and does it work? Uh, most of our clients have a hybrid structure, so okay. they may be four um, one in the office or three two in the office, or they may be every day in the office with a number of remote days a month, for example. So there's a, 
everything is kind of all across the board. We have yet to encounter in our client base, anyone who's fully remote. I think you would find that more in clients on the West Coast than the East Coast. I could be completely wrong about that. Um, in in uh, startup land, you know, there's, there's kind of a different way of rolling about that. But um, uh, at, at present and through the pandemic, most of our clients were seeing their people at least one or two days a week or um, in team meetings uh, that were face-to-face and things like that. So, um, so I, I think we're probably in a different landscape being small and being regional. Yeah, definitely. And I want to ask you this question, and, and this has got to be fascinating because I feel like you've walked into so many different organizations and you seem to be brilliant, yeah, right? And you've yeah, probably I've seen, seen a lot. So I just want to ask, Can't imagine. have you ever walked into an environment, sat there and just been dumbfounded? <laughs> yeah. Like, I cannot believe what I'm seeing. And then you go and have the conversation with the owner and they're like, I can't believe you saw that either. You're like, how have you not seen this? Like, what is going on in the trenches? Does that happen a lot? And are there sometimes you sit in there, you're like, this is such a successful company, but they could be three times as successful if we just figured this out. <laughs> yes, I see that in every single client that we work with. <laughs> That's why you guys are killing hey, it. Good, good. That's we're not alone. We're not alone. <laughs> That's awesome. That's exactly why we're doing yeah. what we're doing. So look, it's it's a long-standing known thing. I mean, I'm Dr. Teagard. I'm a bit of an academic wonk. I'll admit it. I'll own my nerdiness, right? Like I love the literature. I love the research. Um, it's been well known for 40 years in management research that the guy who founds the company and gets it to 20 or 30 million is not the same guy that's going to take it from 30 million to 100 million. Now that research was done before we had the internet and all of access to, you know, the tools we have today. Um, what I'm finding is that a lot of people realize they've hit that point where I don't know what to do next to grow this company or how to do it. And so people are actively seeking, how do I become the guy that can take it from 20, 30 million to a hundred million and workforce design is integral to that and beginning to relate to how they manage their people differently is integral to that uh, turn point in the growth of a company. So most of our clients are at the point where they've realized, hey, I was the guy that everyone came to because I founded the place, right? But it's grown to be uh, the size now where I need to step back, learn to be a CEO and have a leadership team that does the things I used to do every day. And I have to have the strength of ego to let my uh, director of operations, director of finance, each of those functional leads lead their lead their functions. And I have to step back and focus on strategy. I have to step back and focus on less of the day-to-day if I'm going to take it past the uh, size of company that I am right now. And that's the real firepower of what I bring. It's nice to have the law firm there uh, and to have the legal piece there. And uh, they um, are there to ensure that all of the... Um, Legal boxes are checked for that owner to be sure that their company is protected from risk going forward. But my concern as the management consultant is to help that CEO, that becoming emerging CEO owner, um, transform their relationship to their workforce and then to organize that workforce where uh, growth or the addition of a headcount does not disrupt the current processes that are in place. Um, so standard operating procedure, policy, and process are a big part of my advising and my role um, in my work with my clients. Day-to-day HR stuff, yes, we have the administrative piece, but the higher level piece is really um, what our secret sauce is, I'd say. 
Yeah, and I, this is a fascinating thing that I was reading um, previously, and it, it talks about you know, really personality conflicts that could be at work, right? Whether it's a personality conflict can affect performance, job satisfaction. But what you talked about, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but these conflicts really aren't always about personalities. Explain what that is. Explain what that means, honestly, number one, and and how, because I think on our end, you know, we have a lot of different people that work at our company and I'm a, a very emotional, I'm the sales guy, right? Like throw me in a room, I'll meet anybody. <laughs> There's certain people that I probably give anxiety to in our company. And I had to really approach differently each of those individuals and understand that my attitude and my emotion and the way that I come off, it's not going to be the same for everybody. They're not going to digest that the same. So I have to really be intentional about how I'm, I'm approaching individuals in our workplace and I guess I, I just don't understand kind of the personality conflict, but it's not personality. So explain what that means and how that can really affect a workplace. <laughs> yeah. So let me take a minute to kind of um, take that apart. That's a complex question. I know. <laughs> um, and let me, yeah, let me take that stepwise. Um, I think that, that, um, that the difference between uh, what someone uh, would say a personality conflict is and then an IO psych practitioner like myself, industrial organizational psychology practitioner, I'm not a licensed therapist, but I am a practitioner, um, like myself would would answer that question would be vastly different, right? So to uh, put it into some usable shorthand, um, personality is basically a cataloging of traits of human behavior. So humans behave in thousands and thousands of little observable ways. Some people gesticulate their arms, some people smile, some people don't smile, some people move fast, some people move slow, some people make eye contact, some people don't. And if you think about all of those behavioral observations, the teeny tiny level that we're talking at, it's as complex a taxonomy as um, naming the types of plants or the types of breeds of dogs, for example. You know, this is a cataloging of observable things about the plant world, the animal world, and then obviously the human behavior world. So personality is that study of those observable traits. So what happens in human relationships is uh, I had a way of interpreting the look on my dad's face when I was growing up. And I know that that look means I'm in trouble, right? And so now I have a boss who makes that same look my dad made, except my boss is not making that look for the same reason. And so I have my one-on-one -on -one that week and my boss makes that face and I think, oh God, I'm in trouble. But I don't say something like, why are you having that look on your face? I'm so curious. Um, I just make a snap, you know, light speed determination that, oops, I'm doing something wrong. Right. Um, and so I have misinterpreted a visual cue in the face of the person I'm talking to. What personality science does is allow us to examine those traits and then just see those traits as traits and then question, hey, am I in trouble with you? I'm seeing the look on your face um, and the work we do, we rule that out first, right? We'll go in to a workforce and we will do personality testing. A good big five assessment, um, which is standard theory in this world, uh, is makes, you know, a light and day, a night and day difference uh, in terms of what an employee understands about how they behave at work and how their colleague is behaving at work. So we do that work first and we can rule out true personality conflicts. So now I'm getting around to answering your part of your question. A true personality conflict is when I'm on opposite ends of a trait spectrum. So a classic one is um, 
whether I look at the world from a big picture angle or I look at the world like um, I'm looking through a photographer's loop at the pixels, right? So if I'm a big picture thinker, I don't look at details by nature. That's just not in my trait. But if I'm an accountant, by nature, I'm probably chose accounting as a career because I love looking at the details. And so if I'm in a meeting with colleagues on opposite ends of a trait spectrum like that, those colleagues can't understand each other. And so the best you can do in a true personality conflict is to say you need to flex and own the fact that you can't see the big picture like that person does. And that's no character besmirchment on your talent or ability, but they simply have a superpower that you don't. And the other person with their detail ability has a superpower that the big picture thinker don't, and they need each other. So in a workforce, I want trait diversity. I want different approaches um, that strengthens the, the abilities of the team as a whole, one plus one equals three. And then when we have that, we have to take the extra step as organizational behavior uh, development people, trainers and developers, the training classes we put employees through. We have to take that extra step to say, you need to appreciate your colleague. You need to appreciate your colleague. And that's exactly what you're doing when you're talking about your personal example. You're flexing to that colleague. You're flexing your natural personality trait to their trait to say, I'm going to slow down. I talk really fast, but I'm going to talk slower around you because that makes our relationship better and builds better rapport. And, and then you can hear me better and you feel respected. So that right there alone, that whole process of appreciating trait differences and, and um, understanding trait differences is puts kind of a warp speed to, you know, correcting drama. But that being said, again, taking your question apart, that <laughs> being said, <laughs> you're hired. You're hired. Answer. You don't even have to keep very going. You're hired. Answer. You're hired. From everybody listening, taking they're calling that, you. Uh, I hope awesome. so. I hope so. Um, so setting that aside, when we do that work, when we go in as consultants and do that work, what I find is about 20% of the time there's a personality conflict. Not 100% of the time, but once we reveal it and educate toward it, what we really find is that we have, when we have a team in conflict or we have a workforce that has more drama than, than, than it needs, they've called us usually because they're having drama and they don't know how to sort it out. Usually it's because of a lack of standard operating procedures, standard processes. This person needs that report from that other person, but they're never getting it. Or that person sent an email and they didn't get a reply. And so... What humans do is they say, well, that person's no good. They need to be fired. Well, I don't know about that. It could be a personality conflict, but then we rule that out, right? And what we usually find is, well, that email's going to an inbox that no one checks. Oh, dear. No wonder you're not getting a response. There's nothing wrong with that employee. Stop calling them names. <laughs> they just weren't even getting the memo to begin with. Um, but, but examining the process from a systemic standpoint um, is usually what begins to sort things out. But Back to an earlier answer, if we go in and we know from an initial audit that there's no job descriptions, that there's no employee handbook, that there's no standard operating procedures, then we don't even worry about all that other stuff. We're like, let's just get to work <laughs> to put these documentation in place so that people know what they can count on and where they can go to get answers and go to move their work product through the system. Um, and then things start to get better really quickly. Within 60 days, we start singing, you know, the Beatles, here comes the sun, you know, and, <laughs> and things start to get better very quickly, right? It's hey, amazing we need to be singing good, that. Good. <laughs> Pro process, process changes everything, right? Yeah. And, and it gives you an understanding of, of what your job is and how to achieve it. And as we've grown in our business, 
you know, implementing those different processes has helped a lot. And, and I think with our business, we have to have people that are completely different um, in the avenue that we do, right? We have to have artists. We have to have people that that want to be, you know, kind of by themselves, doing artwork, creating all these different things. But then we got to have people that want to go out and, and build business, right? It's a pretty unique dynamic. Um, but that's what I do love about our business, because if we had everybody that was like me, we'd probably make no money. We'd have a lot of friends, <laughs> but we probably we probably wouldn't make any money. We wouldn't be a business. We'd just be like a club. Yeah, but you, you, you're speaking our language. We are a small business and started 15 years ago. And I started the company and it was just me. And I knew um, I knew how to sell branded merchandise. I knew the product. I knew the industry well. I knew how to interact with clients. I knew how to sell the product. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that I know every aspect of how, how to create a business. My thought process, if I sold enough folks and I did a great job for them and did what I said I was going to do and all the right things, the money would tend to follow, right? Okay, that, that could be a business plan. And it was. <laughs> but then as I got busier and busier, I would hire to help fill that gap or hire my weakness, which might be the details of artwork or invoicing or hiring talent or legal or whatever it is. And, and we've sort of mustered our way into a great company. Um, but we're at the point where sometimes, you know, we, we get to known plateau areas with revenue or or that kind of thing. And, and you're exactly right. You have to reach out and understand that, hey, I, we need help to sort of get to the next level. We need processes. We, we're adding people and we don't have processes. So you're speaking our language as a small business. And I think it's just so fascinating as to how brilliant you are in this area and how you actually were able to communicate uh, what you're offering there. I've, I've never really heard it that way. Uh, so kudos to you. I, I don't know that I have a question. I'm just saying I relate to exactly everything you're saying. <laughs> well, I well, usually I'd like to key off of thank you yeah. for the compliment. I'd like to yeah. give you a compliment in return, which is I wish all of our clients would have the strategy of hiring their weakness. I think that's, <laughs> right. that's exactly how you need to be thinking, right? But you know, Absolutely. human nature is, we tend to marry our opposite. Right, right in our private lives and we tend to hire people just like us because people just like us feel comfortable and we don't feel you know it's it's scary enough to run a business that we just want some relief somewhere and some comfort somewhere so i've gone into companies where there's no trait diversity everybody is you know it's it's an office full of extroverts and there's no introvert sitting at a desk pumping out the uh you know the accounting reports or getting the month in closed done because you know everybody's out you know uh, pressing the flesh and, and shaking hands and, and uh, you know, extroverting all over the place. So it seems like that. Hiring <laughs> your weakness is brilliant. I'm going to use that. Oh, that was unbelievable. Man, I'm going to use extroverting all I'm over extroverting the place. extroverting all over this the is, place. This is God, that's, great. That's pretty much me in a nutshell, just extroverting all over the place. You just you nailed just, Brian, by the way. You just described me. I've never heard that before. <laughs> and you should meet McLean because oh, she's right. totally, totally opposite. opposite. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and that's a great story where me and McLean, when we came in, we kind of butted heads for a long time time you know it was almost like we just could never mesh and figure out how we were going to make this work um the reality was is mclean was had been in the organization a lot longer she had had worked with scott to develop it i came in i'm just this sales guy and it's like why do we need this guy right he doesn't even know the industry 
And so I not only had to prove myself, but then I also had to figure out how do I work with with McLean? How do we make this not only a healthy relationship, but one that that makes us money, that that allows us to have fun? And now seven years later, we've both become parents throughout that time, but we're so much closer, right? We're completely different still, but we both love each other. We respect each other. We, we give each other compliments. I mean, she came in yesterday after a team meeting and just looked at me and she's like, you're crushing it. That's all she said. And like, I was sitting here and like a pile of, you know what, like I got so much stuff to do. And just that simple message, I looked at it and I was like, that was all. It was like, it gave me like the kick to be like that, that I like. You my, earned that, uh, man. Yeah, it took I, years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you, but it, but it, it's neat to see yeah. that, right? It's neat to see somebody that's, that's completely awesome. different to, to say like, you know, thank you for what you're doing. You're killing it. Right. And it was just a simple thing, but like that meant a lot to me. Um, and so it's just been fascinating to see how that's kind of, uh, that's kind of evolved, but, um, wow. I don't, Our I mean, work fast tracks that kind of moment, getting yeah. to that moment. And what I love about the boutique consultancy that we've created is we've set it up in a methodology that's quite reputable. We can go into a company. We know what discovery and, and, um, audit to run. We know where to look for the problems. We know what the patterns are. I've been doing this for over a decade. I mean, I have, they, I've not. I'm not seeing much anything new anymore, right? I've done enough that um, I don't really see any new patterns or any shocking things. I mean, the, you know, there's always something unique, but the <laughs> patterns are pretty well set. So the method means that I can go in and I can usually predict how long it's going to take me in terms of being embedded with your team and and you paying my fee to get you where you want to go. And then I'm going to say goodbye. I'm like Mary Poppins. I do not want to keep feeding at the trough with my companies. I want to get them where they're going because there are thousands of companies in this space and thousands of companies we could be serving. And so we've been very intentional about doing this in a methodical way that produces results, that gets us in, gets us out in a predictable time frame. And we can measure the delta. We can measure the change from where we started with you to where we where we stopped with you. And I think owners really like that because consultants are not usually that precise in their, um, you know, people are burned by consultants. They come in and they just want to keep a retainer forever, you know, and keep inventing work or whatever the perception is. Now, sometimes I think owners just don't want to take the advice their consultants are giving them, um, you know, mm -hmm. so it's not completely um, the blame of the on the consultant for wanting to feed at the trough, but there is that concern with owners. And so we've been very intentional about understanding, you know, what we can do, the timeframes it takes to do it and what the commitment on the part of the leadership team is to get it done. Um, and I think that that also makes our offering very attractive for owners in this space. I love that. Yeah, right. and it's yeah. good. Go ahead. All well, right. I was just going to make a comment. Like, it's my my personal belief. If you hire someone for their expertise, then let's let's get together and do what they're telling you to do. Right? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go to my doctor with a health issue and say, I mean, I already know what this is, but I just wanted your advice. You know, like <laughs> hire them for their expertise and buy into it and roll with it. You know, I don't Absolutely. know. Well, let's, we, let's... we try to avoid engagements where we're just there to have, you know, a scapegoat for the leadership team to like blame the consultant for, you know, whatever's not working. So I'm pretty streetwise about that sort of thing, too. <laughs> I, bet. For, I bet. You know, for business owners, for for HR managers, for people that are listening to this podcast, um, you know, what is your ideal client and, and who is the client that, that, you know, needs to reach out to you? Do, are you guys in multiple different industries? Do you focus on, you know, a few niches? What does that look like? And if there's a potential client that's sitting here, because I'm sure there are plenty that are going to listen to this going, yeah, I need to have a conversation. Yeah. Because sure. it just opened up my yeah. eyes to a lot of stuff. Yeah. You, it, it's great you have a podcast. You ask such good questions. 
I, <laughs> Brian is I'm a very, really, really good. My favorite uh, animal as a kid was Curious George, and it's never changed. So I'm just, <laughs> I just like to learn about people. It's fascinating. Yeah, it is for sure. Yeah. And what so you're doing, I'm you're just asking. sitting in my, yeah, my head's just like exploding over here. <laughs> I got a big head, so I don't know how that's even possible. So, <laughs> it's gonna make so a mess. Ask that question one more time for me, so I can latch so on to the. So if you're a business, yeah, if you're a business owner or CEO, uh, if they've listened to this podcast and they're like, wow, we need to get in touch. Uh, you know, with CTK at work. Um, the question is, A, when do they need to reach out to you? But B, do, do you guys focus in specific industries? Do you have any niches? Or is this really more about, you know, the relationship with the business owner and coming in and, and, and learning more about their business, I should say? Well, we really look for headcount, that lower middle market company that's 30 to 300 employees. Um, and some of the red flags are you're having drama in your workforce. You're having um, functional teams that are not getting along with each other, or maybe there's drama in the leadership group itself. Um, drama can take a lot of different forms, but you can imagine what we mean by that. That happens about 50, 60% of the time that there's just, you know, we're not getting along, we're getting stuck in things. Um, and that's a leading indicator. The next reason people would call us is that they've got strategy level um, workforce goals that they just can't get to or don't have the expertise to tackle. So for example, you have an HR director and they're great at what they do, but they either don't have the time or the expertise to work on those strategic level uh, workforce initiatives. Um, that's where we would step up and work at the higher level end of things. And it's either one or the other or a combination of all of the above. I love it. And, and tell us what's the best way for them to get in contact with you, get in contact with CTK. Um, they can call us directly. I'd love to give you the phone number, kind of old school style, right? Yeah, let's do it. Yes, 704-551-2888. Um, Jane is going to answer that line. Um, you can call Jane and Jane will get you to me and sometimes I'll answer that line, but we're there um, to take the phone calls and we love starting with a phone call because then we can very precisely ask you, you know, questions and get, get things rolling. Um, you can also reach out to us at info, um, at CTK, uh, AT, let's see, CTK AT work, not at symbol work, right? Because we can't have two at symbols in a, <laughs> uh, in a thing. You can go to our website and access that info at that goes straight to my personal inbox. So it'll come straight to me as if you had my email. Um, and we love to talk to folks and just reach out to us directly. I love it. This has been phenomenal. It's been fantastic to learn more about you, but really learn more about, you know, CTK at work. How are you guys are really going into organizations and helping them not only grow, but continue to grow? Like I, one of the things that I found about this podcast, it's like if you have two people in your company that are not getting along, you don't have to choose, right? You don't have to choose one of them and fire the other one. Bring in the team at CTK at work. You might just have a personality conflict. And guess what? If that's the reason, you can fix it. And two of your people that might have been there for a really long time now are getting together and you guys are, are running in the right direction. So it's been fascinating to have you, you know, on the podcast and learn so much and just appreciative of your time. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. It was awesome. Like we always say, please like, share, comment, go to their website, reach out. I love people that give phone numbers, 704-551-2888. Give them a ring. And uh, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Elizabeth Teagarden. I am, I'm, my mind's blown right now. And, <laughs> and I think Scott's is as well. And I'm sure a lot of listeners after they've gotten this, but just appreciate you coming on until next time you have been listening to this episode of the award-winning brand builders podcast. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.